Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. My name is Winter, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. Those that are new to the show, welcome. Those old to the show, welcome back. This podcast has become really a lifeline for me in motivating me, and I hope it motivates my guests that I have on as well. And you guys can listen into this sort of like a Samaritans-esque conversation while I try to G up my pals from the comedy circuit. And it's just a lesson for you guys too, that you can maybe, if you're feeling down or you're, you know, kind of like just not motivated and just a bit kind of like down in the dumps, just give your friends like a ring or a text or just send them a message on whatever platform, social platform, they, you know, that's what it's for, social platform, message them, see how they're getting on. Because the benefits are tenfold for you and the other person as well. You know, it just kind of gets you out the doldrums of your mind. And like, you know, just, just do it, just go for it. Just because it'll, honestly, it'll help you, it'll motivate you. You know, we want to feel connected to the world. And th that's what the social media should be there for rather than just trolling and scrolling. <laughs> you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Winter Dominus. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. You can like that too. And you can join the group and see where the podcasts come up straight away on the last Wednesday of the month. And you can also go to Patreon if you like this podcast enough and buy us a cup of coffee. Go there, Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast and donate as little or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. But if you can't donate, that's okay. Just share your favourite episode because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. This is an excellent episode. I mean, all of them are great. But this one is with a really great friend of mine, Matt Price. I've shared many a car journey with Matt and he's an absolutely lovely fella. And he talks about being the nice guy of the circuit and how he approaches that and how he views that. It's a really interesting, his perspective on that too. But he's an excellent comedian, a great storyteller. It was a pleasure to spend an hour and a bit talking to Matt about what he's got coming up. He also does his own podcast called Conversations with Criminals, where he interviews criminals on his podcast. It's absolutely excellent. So go check that out on Podbean and iTunes. This is episode 85, Matt Price. Enjoy. Excellent. Well, thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Matt. Thanks for giving me your time, ages. mate. I hope it's worthwhile for you. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't doubt it, mate. I mean, look, we've spent many a car journey, like traveling to, well, where you're from, <laughs> the West Country, right? The West yeah. of the country. Yeah. So, how you been, man? What What you been up to? I haven't seen you for a couple of years now. No, it's been a while, isn't it? Isn't it weird how it sort of flies by before you know it? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. It's 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 been all right. I'm surviving day to day. I'm actually back home in Cornwall at the moment, so that's quite nice. And I was woken up by the sound of bagpipes, which was quite surreal. All is well, you know, doing the odd gig where I can, and that's about it, really. And so, what was the bagpipes saying. about? What was it? Why was there bagpipes uh, outside? I have your... absolutely no idea. You know, like when you eat a big meal, which I did, and then you sort of crash out. Mm. For some reason, I was woken up by the sound of a band on the other side of the river playing bagpipes and I thought, hang on, we're in Cornwall, what on earth is going on? You know, we, yeah. we had, um, there was the Cornish National Liberation Army. Right. They, they never actually committed any sort of acts of atrocity. Well, actually they, they blew up a hairdresser's once, mm. right? And I did wonder, are my people making a comeback? Because yeah. we're, like we're like the forgotten Celts, the Cornish. But no, it was just some idiot playing bagpipes. So it wasn't like you would think it was a flashback from Edinburgh withdrawals, you know, like, well, oh, I just, you know, the, I'm still having a lucid dream of some kind. There's going to be, I'm going to go outside with a bucket and be just going to, uh, into fringe mode, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I'd forgotten all about Edinburgh, actually. I've mm. been, um, you know, I've just been taking it day by day, actually. Mm. But that's, that's spectacularly boring, isn't it, Winter? No. I've, just, I've been taking one day at a time. That's the best way to do it, mate. I mean, look, sometimes you've got to take it a minute or a second at a time. It's like, oh, just sometimes seconds and minutes feel like hours. 
you know what I mean? depends mm. on what stage you are in your life or or what mood you're in eh? it's uh it can time is elastic isn't it it doesn't necessarily mean you know one day it can, feels like forever like you're back in cornwall and like you've been doing your your own podcast as well isn't it what's this it's called conversations with criminals that's it and yes i've been speaking to people from all walks of life who've been involved with crime so that yeah. i have found particularly interesting i have to say mm. and i'm currently looking at going to lincoln soon oh, yeah. to speak to a guy who did 25 years for murder wow. and he wants to uh well he wants to speak to me and as far as i know wants to make a public apology to the family of the of the guy who we killed so that should be interesting it depends and it's weird because i've never been fashionable in my in my life but of course true crime is currently very very popular but i started speaking to criminals about 10 years ago yeah. So I feel I feel, I'm not saying I've started it. I mean, you could edit this now to make it sound like Matt Price says uh, <laughs> I start crew crime genre, but no, I just mm. I just happen to do something that now everybody else in the world seems to be doing. But I enjoy it though. Like looking at some of your fringe uh, shows, and we'll get into them later as well. Yeah. You you were even doing stuff about mental health before it was cool <laughs> you know what i mean it, like you were doing stuff about that that uh, you had a show about the guy who thought he was a dinosaur the the mary hill oh, dinosaur that's right blimey you remember you remember things don't you that that that's why you're such good company in a car because you actually remember people i do you see and you remember what they're about and i try i get an overall sort of vibe of someone and i think I either like them or i don't most people if there's any comedians listen i like most of you <laughs> you know i'm not gonna lie but but you actually remember details which makes you um, a good man. I'm oh, thanks, good mate. Man. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that <laughs> sentence well. <laughs> you, you did that on the guy who thought he was a dinosaur, which is great. Like, and you've you've done like, you're a stalwart of like the fringe circuit, like as well as like as well as the main circuit too. But you've done how many shows, Matt? I don't know. I've lost count, and, th- like, and that that could sound so smug. And I'd be like, no. you know, actually, Winter, you know what? You like you just. Uh, you stop counting after a while. I run out of fingers and yeah. thumbs, you know, yeah. sort of my toes. I, yeah, yeah I've, I've done a lot of fringe shows and I've done a lot of fringes. And yeah, I've been around for a very long time and I've tried very hard for a very long time to do lots of different things. Yeah. So, you know, and, it, and it's fine and I, I still do it. And actually, weirdly, on Wednesday, I hosted a book launch. Wow. And it was a guy called Tony Sales who's written an incredible book about called the big con how i stole 30 million pounds and got away with it now that audience well at a book launch you might expect that it would be people of um a literary inclination shall we say it wasn't i saw more bald heads and flat noses in that room than i've seen in a very very long time and uh, there were some lovely people there they were very nice but Half the criminal underworld were there. And of yeah. course, I'm doing a Q&A with him. And I said, that Tony, I said, you say in your book that the criminal underworld is a very close-knit community. And they all appear to be here tonight. And there was a slight <laughs> sort of sharp intake of breath. And I went, no, I don't mean it like that. I said, it's true, isn't it? And then they all kind of laughed a bit. And I said, look, I'm not judging anybody. It's lovely to meet you. How are you? How are you doing? But it was it was an interesting thing to do. So, you know, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, you know yourself, right? Mm. We have transferable skills. Mm. You That's know? And it. tonight I'm in a chip shop doing yeah. a gig. Wow. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah. What yeah. The, are they just how did they go to stand in a corner? Are they is actually gonna be yeah. seats and stuff there too? I'm gonna be stood I'm gonna be stood in the corner of a fine dining restaurant, as has to be yeah. said. And um for various reasons I mean, <laughs> I've called it a chip shop. It's yeah. not a chip shop. But but in turn, but I'll be honest with you in the in the film of my life, yeah. it would be a chip shop. Of course, it would. Yeah, great. It's just funnier, isn't it? Of course. But um, you know, 
but I'm just doing I'm I'm doing a gig. It was all right. It was well was good fun last night. I'm doing it again tonight. Oh, and you know, it pays me to get down here and a little bit more and yeah. um, and that that's good, but that's where I'm at comedically. But I'm as a comedian, in case anyone's thinking, Well, who the hell are you, mate? Then um yeah, stalwart is probably about right. You know, I turn up, do the job to the best of my ability every time. I'd never phone it in. I don't think I'm ever dead behind the eyes. No give it my absolute best and um i can i'm available for book launches <laughs> yeah well this is it i say all the skills are transferable you know that's it that stand up mm. is the hardest thing you write direct produce you know all everything yourself and i say you're looking through your i was looking through your cv the man and i was like whoa you've done like it must be close to 14 shows like uh fringe shows uh like and some i'm sure but when, when we we're gigging together like a couple of years ago a few years ago now we're going to blackwater yeah. weren't we i remember that long car journey we were going down there with He's a Jewish comedian. Oh, Louis Schaefer. Yeah, Louis Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, oh, and Rick Murta was there. We were going the way. That was a yeah, real fun yeah. drive, man. It was, was great. Wasn't it fun? Yeah. Wasn't it fun? I love both of them. Rick's a great guy. And um, and Louis is like a guilty pleasure. But what yeah. we're saying with, with, with yourself, when you were talking about you're writing a book uh, about the, the criminal on the world, is that what you turned into your podcast? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think what it was, I started speaking to criminals for various reasons. Mm. And, and I thought, oh, I, I have an interest in them, which helps. Mm. And then I felt like I have a rapport with them. Now, that rapport mm. might might be real or it might be that actually they need, because of the nature of their job, they need to have quite good social skills themselves. So actually, maybe they're the ones who have rapport with me. Maybe mm. it's the other way around. Maybe I'm not the criminal whisperer as I was hoping to be. But I started speaking to criminals for various reasons, and it just occurred to me, oh, I ought to make this into a podcast. Yeah. There are then, of course, the certain problems of doing it, because not all of them want necessarily to be on camera, so it has to be an audio podcast. For me, mm. anyway, to get the kind of intimate conversations that I want to have with people. So mm. I'll just come along. I'm quite discreet. I've got a, let's get a bit technical. I've got, I've got a Zoom H6 mm. and I have some NT5 microphones, they're tiny little mics. Yeah. And I just set them up and I just let people talk. And I have a sort of a documentary style one that I do with a guy called Dave Courtney. And mm. that's almost fly on the wall. And, and I've done six of those, a special, and another one recently with a guy called Ian Tucker, who Donald McIntyre interviewed. But yeah, I mm. wanted to write a book. It was easier, actually, in a way to do a podcast, but there are challenges. But I just take my recording equipment around, sit down and just chat to people, really, yeah. much like much like yourself. As I say, you'll make anything fun if you just have a keen interest in it. You know, saying you're stalwart of the of the fringe circuit is not a derogatory thing at all. Or, and you're, no, you're no, well respected not. on the international circuit as well. I just, you know, I, I say that too. But you <laughs> did your natural born storytellers as well in the Camden Head. You don't do that anymore. Is that right? You've just found... Uh, yeah, I, I don't do that anymore. And I'll be honest with you, I mm. was sort of kicked out with that. All right. Um, no, not not a problem. I would say it if if the guy who was involved was here. You know, mm. I'd say it to his face. Yep. I was I was I was actually kicked out because of my physical appearance. How about that? Right. He he actually the guy actually said to me the sort of co partner. I came up with the name natural born storytellers and he always used to say on stage every month oh the only thing this guy matt price has done is actually come up with a great name for the storytelling night Whoa. and he said to me uh nobody would ever pay money to see someone who looks like you on a poster you know wow. i'm the looker you're the one with the stories and for mm. various reasons uh something that i'm not gonna talk about Fair. because it would probably get me in legal problems but mm. he he said something that was utterly disgusting and shameful on mm -hmm. stage 
which left a woman crying and yeah. her friend, two friends following her out of the room, yeah. allegedly a true story. I thought, no, I don't want to be involved anymore. But, yeah. you know, I, I wish, I don't wish him well, but I don't wish him any harm either. Sure. I just don't care. Okay. Now, is that a bad thing that I've just told you then? You've got to know your limit and go, okay, right, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need that in my life. You the better thing than just walk away rather than get involved in some sort of thing that could lead to an altercation or something like that, you know? I think oh, you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's only going to go up. Well, I'm sorry that ended that way, but, um, right. you know, no, was it, that's, uh, that's a shame. But like, was it like you, uh, like I saying that you've had, like, I've had some weird jobs as well. And I'm, I've, I've read your bio, bio man and like you worked in a fish factory too. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I, well, I did. How long did you I, work there um, for? I worked there for a couple of years. Wow, and it fair was, play. It's tough, it was it? an interesting place. It was a place called Channel Foods. And I mm. remember the day that it burnt down. Oh, yeah. And, and there was lots of rumors <laughs> about who burnt it down. Yeah. Was it a disgruntled employee? There were mm. a couple of diet guys who ended up setting up their own pest control service at one point. So, uh, God help them if you could see who they were. But, but they did. Apparently, they did quite well. But there was rumors that they were breeding their own rats mm. in order to unleash in pre premises mm. so that people would phone them up. So, yeah. you know, they had business cards and homebred rats. But they, this this place just burnt down and people were cheering. And there's actually a photo of it somewhere online, actually, the factory on fire. Mm. And I worked there. And the reason it was so amazing was because one person would get fired every day. So like, and, or, or they would leave. Mm. So their turnover of staff was just unbelievable because it was, you'd work at two degrees Celsius. It was yeah. freezing cold. When somebody scrunches up some frozen fish mm -hmm. frozen so you know lovely salmon that mm -hmm. you can buy at marks and spencers that's packed by an idiot <coughs> now i say that i say that with with love to marks and spencers mm. and anyone who works in a fish factory but i'm talking about when i was doing it because we were the ones who were packing fish for marks and spencers mm. and at some point but a 25 stone man whose nickname was salad mm. right will have in that batch of salmon would have screwed up a ball of salmon mm. and thrown it towards my head <laughs> all right and probably said something that would have insulted my mum or in my case my gran at the mm. same time and someone will go incoming and you'd like after duck yeah. and a ball of salmon you go miss and another one would hit you on yeah. top of the head mm. so it was it was a brutal place to work the banter was just unbelievable yeah. one of the guys took me to one side and he said listen he goes, you're going to have to learn how to, to fight back. Mm. Okay. He said, watch now. He said, see bloke over there with a the big forehead? You watch this. He went, T-Fowl. <clears throat> Next thing, some salmon comes flying over towards us. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of ducking, thinking, God, I didn't realize I was going to be doing this. I yeah. thought it was like food preparation. And, yeah. and, he, and the guy jumps back up again and he's, He's hitting him with line after line after yeah. line. Then suddenly the whole room is singing, yeah. you know, on your own, on your own, on your own. And I thought, <laughs> I need to earn a living and I need to stay here and watch these people. So I was yeah. being paid for people watching and for ducking balls of frozen salmon. Oh, brilliant. And they're a heavy fish, man. It's like, yeah. you know, that you get one of them in the face. You, I mean, you're lucky if you you're, you can take it in the face. You know, you're, you're going to go down more than likely. Oh, of course um, you are. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I remember I, I, in Ireland, I worked I worked on building site first and then I, I, I stopped that for a bit and went, okay, I just, this isn't hard enough. So I worked in a fish factory for about three days. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. And like, basically it was like a day, you know, you like do shifts and stuff. And yeah, like, yeah. I was young, so I didn't sleep between, but you know, we were looking 
through like through the night and you're just like oh you think you're finished and then another load of fish come in isn't it and you're just yeah. kind of going oh man and trying to fill at them properly when the boss is watching go oh you're cutting too much fish off there i'm like look man i've been here for 12 hours you know and then like had a small break and they went another six hours sometimes because they've got a big shipment come in and those fish coming around you know it's in the middle of the night when people start going crazy isn't it yeah, and they start yeah. just needing to do something to kind of ease the the pressure that's building and uh, yeah there's some big fish went around you're all right if it was a mackerel or fine you know but oh, as i say salmon or something <laughs> bigger oh mate oh it's gonna hurt yeah oh it does it does and it, it was just br- just just so intense and so brutal the mm. banter yeah. but you know but we all got on okay yeah. you know we all got on okay we would go in town and we would socialize together and and you probably know yourself if you smell a fish yeah. you have to socialize with other people who also smell <laughs> a fish there's no doubt about that so people knew when we arrived at a nightclub you know everyone yeah. knew oh the channel boys are in because you could smell and it was known as it wasn't it was called channel food people used to call it chanel obviously yeah. because of the smell of fish and it, it was grim you couldn't get the smoky fish smell out of your hands very yeah, easily that's it man it sticks in there man you just oh god you need to really scrub you just yeah you just need to soak your hands isn't it really you've soaked them already yeah. in the fish you know what can you do you've pickled your hands in fish yeah. um i mean th- in fairness right all that kind of banter like working with those people it really does uh help you with your storytelling abilities and it's like oh you know because you're just trying to pass the time and just tell it oh lads you hear this one like this is what happened to me the other day and da, da, da. Yeah. and it's really just sharp, sharpens up that tool okay you've done like i say about 13 or so shows like what was your favorite show that is stuck in your mind and gone i love that show i just if i could do that again i would do it forever i am torn actually possibly 2013 i did a show called fugly mm. and um and people were coming to see that and 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 they would come back two or three times to see it. And I was going through my phase of actually trying to be like, and you can't be you can't be him. But um, Sean Collins, have you seen yeah. him? He's an incredible comic. I mean, mm. he's just one of the for me, just one of the greats. And and I'm sure he, I'd hope he wouldn't mind me saying I just loved what he did. And mm. and I thought, wow, I wouldn't be able to sit on a stool and and do it like that. And that's mm. what I tried to do. And then Adam Bloom said to me, well, I adore Adam Bloom. And he said to me one day, look, he said Sean can do that. He said, you can't, you can't. And he didn't mean it in a nasty way. He mm-hmm. said, you can, but you can't. He said, mm. you've got to sort of find your own way of doing stuff. Yeah. So I sort of abandoned the stool every now and again, if my back's playing up, I mm. will sit on a stool. But um, I enjoyed doing that for a month. That was fun. And then I did one at the Gilded Balloon because um, my, my missus is, uh, she's Glaswegian. So mm. I, and they call them Ouija's. Yeah. So I did a show that was kind of about her, but it wasn't really, I called it last night, a Ouija saved my life. <laughs> and I enjoyed that because it was my first paid one. Mm. And it was, I think it was quite well reviewed, but more importantly, audiences did like it. And I spoke about the stuff, you know, that I, it, it was inspired by a guy in Australia, actually. I can't even remember his name who did this kind of, um, oh God, I, hack nade and I, and I don't knock anyone for being hack we all have to dig out old classics sometimes but mm. th- th- this thing where he would describe a scenario with a woman and then he would say and um so a factor yeah. And it would get a massive laugh and it would be, and he would describe this, I'm not even going to tell you, but you can imagine the type of thing, mm. oh, there's this woman, she was ugly and she was this and she was that. And, oh, so I fucked that. Mm. And then it was, oh, I, I went to the library and uh, and I met this woman and she fined me. Yeah, so I fucked that. Mm. And I went to a restaurant and I thought, oh God, you know, but anyway, afterwards mm. he, he said to me, um, you didn't, you didn't like that, did you? The so I fucked her stuff. And I said, I said, well, 
it's it's just not really me. I said, but mm. look, it did go well for you, mate. So I'm not going to knock you. You know, the job is to entertain people. Mm. I said, new am I to tell you what you can and can't do? Yes, guy who was quite new to comedy. And he said, all right, fair play. He said, well, if it's not you, he said, who are you? And it really made me think. And that was what the show in Edinburgh a couple of years ago became about. It's like, mm. well, who am I then? If yeah. I don't like that kind of very brazen, so I fucked her stuff, what do I do? What am I about? Yeah. Yeah. And it really led me down a very interesting route, actually. So I was proud of that show. Okay, then what did that show uh, emote in you? To You went, okay, what am I? What am I in as a, as a comic then? Well, yeah, it, it kind of did do that because, you know, you know yourself, you're always torn between giving the audience what they want mm. and then and then doing what you want to do. And I try to give the audience what they want, but maybe they didn't know that they wanted. Mm. So I wanted to tell a story, but I wanted to make it as clear as possible. And I sort of ended up talking about being in a relationship with a woman who um, wasn't good for me. Yeah. And then and what that triggered in me and what it did and the stuff that I had to look at. So I went back to sort of, um, there were various stories that went with it. And, you know, I, God, my, my childhood, people have had much, much harder childhoods than I have, but mm. it did lead me to think about quite a few things and to mm. keep it sort of very brief. And what, what it was mm. about was the fact that when I, when I was seven years old, my mum, who was, you know, doing the best she could, because my dad wasn't there, mm. um, she she was actually she was actually a road sweeper. Mm. By but that, that was what she did for a living. Whenever people tell me I'm not working class, I mm. think, well, hang on, you know, I was raised for a few years in Brixton on Tulsa Estate by a single mother mm. who was a road sweeper. You know, so so don't tell me that I'm privileged in any way. Um, but and she she found me a babysitter, and the babysitter was a wrongen. And, mm. that, and that's all I'm going to say right. about it. But, you know, and it, and it got to the point. So I explained about going to live with my grandparents and how, you know, um, they, they I was Matthew. And now Matthew is a very different person to Matt Price. Mm. But being in the relationship with this woman that wasn't good for me, of course, that made me realize, you know, just how vulnerable Matthew was. And I was just mm. taking ownership. I'd never said to an audience, my name's Matt Price before at the end of a show. But I did at that one. Yeah. because I was able to talk very sort of openly and honestly about stuff that had happened to me. And very, very long story short, mm. the guy picked me up from school one day and him and another guy, they, they were grooming me. Right. So they, they were paedophiles. Right. And I don't want to, I listen, I don't want to lower the tone of your podcast, mate. And I don't want to sort of upset anybody who's listening. That isn't mm. what it's about. Mm -hmm. But when I met Martha, my missus, um, I told her everything. You know, I, mm. I told her all about it. I, she, you know, I'm lucky. We've been together for 16 years. Well, that's great. And I'm blessed. You know, mm. I would, I am so lucky to have her. And, and I think she hasn't done too badly herself. To, but, but, you know, but I'm, mm. I'm the lucky one and all this. And I told her, look, you know, I, I used to be very, very shy when I was younger. I couldn't even hug anybody because I felt sickened yeah. by by everything. I felt dirty and I felt alone. Mm. And, she, and, and she said to me, no, it's, you know, it, it's okay. You just, you know, you're actually all right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Yeah. That it was what the, the people who were the wrong ones were those two men, not mm. you. You didn't do anything wrong. She said, you have to understand, you know, I love you and I'm in love with you and I want us to be together and you're allowed to want to be intimate with me. That's part of our process. Mm. That's who we are. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not bad. You're not dirty and you have nothing to be ashamed of. That's great. So I fucked her. <laughs>
that but was the yeah, that was yeah. the conclusion to the whole hour <laughs> and you great. should have seen the look on their faces yes but great. it did work and, and, and that sounds so crass saying it no now, winter. i do no, know no, that no. but it's not and that's how it worked that was the that was the basic outline of the show yeah, right, right. My God, what an experience to do that. What an uplifting ending to it, though, as well. Seeing Someone seeing the good in you makes you see the good in yourself. I mean, that's a, that's just like, that's, I think, hopefully the key to any relationship in, in any way. Yeah, I would you hope know? so. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. That's it. I mean, like, I think, I think when I first started comedy as well, I was just like, oh God, I was all over the place in it mentally. I was just, oh, I didn't know which way was up. Mm. And then, you know, then I've gradually got married and she saw the good in me and I didn't hate myself so much anymore. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah which, which is why I say, you know, that there's people who've been through worse than I've been through. It's not about that. You know, it's not, it's not a competition. No, of but course But it's just not. a question of how you deal with things in life, isn't it? You know, and, and that show, it, there wasn't any self-pity in it because I'd, I'd processed it and I mm. dealt with it. But I was quite proud of the arc in a way, you mm. know, the arc, you know, meaning mm. just how it, I was proud of how it panned out, mm. proud of how the actual structure of it was and proud of being able to do that, you know, the little bit at the end, which was a damn sight more graphic than I've described to you, I promise yeah, of you. of course. And was heart-wrenching, but, but worked. So, you know, so I was, that was, yeah, that, that was one that I was very, very proud of. That show, I mean, that sounds incredibly powerful. I mean, an uplifting as well, nice at the end. And, you know, there's a, there's a win. There's a win rather than like a, um, a, a rollover and I've just shown you my rawness and, you know, you've got to accept that. You know, there's not, rather than acceptance, there's, a, there's an oh. overcoming, which is lovely, you know, which is a lovely thing. Because you don't often get that with, uh, with these fringe shows. It's just usually just like a, a it's a down at the end. It's, it's just like a, well, this is what I, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah, stuck. I'm, I'm Th th this is me deal with it you know, yeah, totally yeah, that's right I went God. there I said that you know I gigged with a guy years ago in Exeter who was a political comedian he's an American guy I can't even remember well actually I do remember his name I'm not going to tell you though mm. he did 20 minutes and he died on his ass and God knows we've all been there I've had some horrific mm. deaths could talk to you if you've got a spare three days about the deaths that I've had mm -hmm. but I remember him walking off stage to total silence and I thought oh God I I'm going to shake his hand anyway I'll shake anyone's hand if they've done well mm. or if they haven't done well because mm. that's what you should do it's the right thing to do yeah right and he just said to me yeah man it's hard to laugh when you're drowning in truth man oh and God. i thought wow you're amazing <laughs> you're so ghastly you know you, you're just incredible if there was a sitcom about comedy mate you'll be in it you'll be the evil guy who everybody dislikes or not evil but just the guy everybody hates mm. so so there, there is that element and with these friend shows yes of course you have to kind of take ownership of it but no i wanted a kind of a an uplifting thing but of course it's gonna die like, like sometimes as well very occasionally I t oh I, yeah i'll tell you what happened on one of the days we had a reviewer in and you know that thing when someone gets up and goes for the toilet to the toilet in a club gig mm. and sometimes the mc will go ladies and gentlemen let's hide mm. well i explained <laughs> that as a premise and i got about 35 people behind the curtain <laughs> in the in the wee room at the gilded balloon yeah right? apart from once like <laughs> the guy in the electric wheelchair at the front oh, row, no. so he sat there by himself, right? Yeah. So that was, and I and I said to him, "I'm really sorry, mate." Mm. He went, "No, that's okay." <laughs> so he was fine. <laughs> but the guy who went to the toilet, he'd taken so long to go to the toilet. Oh. The audience were getting restless. Yeah. It was already a very very hard gig, and. I thought, well, look, what you're going to do, you're all going to jump out on him and surprise him. And of course, he walked back in about what felt like an eternity later and went, all right. <laughs> 
Yeah. I went, yeah. What's my pal doing stood behind the curtains? Yeah. And then they all just walked out from behind the curtains in total silence. Nobody laughed. Nobody oh, reacted. No. They sat down and they <laughs> died for the rest of the gig. And can you imagine what it was like to then say, you know, and Martha said to me very tenderly, I love you. And I'm in love with you, blah, blah, blah. So I fucked her. Oh. It was just awful. It was just awful. The sound of silence and a motorized wheelchair leaving the venue. Oh, that's hilarious. I, it was just horrible. It was yeah. such a, and I, I was, and there was a reviewer in as well. And I actually saw her put her notebook away about 20 minutes in to, to the hour long show mm. and, uh, and, and just sort of shaking her head. And I said, oh. hello. I said, you're reviewing it, aren't you? And she just said, well, I was. Oh. She, said, she said, "Have a have a good day." I said, "Thank you." I said, "Enjoy the rest of your fringe." And it was oh. all. But but I, I'm only saying that because one, it's funny, yeah. and two, you'll know as a comic oh. how cringy and awful that is. Oh, absolutely. But, but three, it doesn't always go brilliantly. No, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you trained as a boxer as well. And you wrote a book about that too. So, yes, like, did. you there's like a second, if not more. I think there's more people who are into. Uh, I don't know because it's sometimes it can feel like a fight, can't it? With between mm. your own emotions and the audience trying to not mirror your internal dialogue. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so like that. I think that's helped you with the. Uh, I mean, of course, it definitely helps you with the in the fish factory when you're ducking from the fish. Yeah. Um, but did you do it then before that, or was it after the fish factory? What's that? What boxing? Boxing. Oh well, okay. So basically, I was very good at skateboarding. Right. Um, I had an ingrown toenail that um, that went septic, and uh, the people at the fish factory didn't really like skateboarders, so it made it quite tricky. The plan was to be a professional skateboarder. I was a freestyler. I can send you a clip, actually. Wow. You might you might like yeah. it. It's, it's quite fun. It was only me, sort of like age, I don't know, fifteen or something. Cool. Um, and I, so I ended up going to the fish factory. Then I studied, became a mature student at sort of age 21, went to university. Mm. And when my, when my granddad died, and I was still working in the factory when I was coming home for the summer. Mm. Uh, when my granddad died, I took up boxing. And what I found, of course, was that I just liked the people there. Yeah. I just liked the people in the boxing club. Yeah. I wasn't quite so keen on the punching people thing. I was all, and they said to me, look, you're a really nice guy. You know, and unfortunately, we need to find someone who is an idiot, you yeah. know, to fight you. He said, no, you know, we need to m match you up with someone who is the same level of sporting ability as you. Right. He said, I don't think we're going to be able to get a nine year old girl. And I, <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? He yeah. said, well, no, but, you know, he said, you're going to have to keep your hands up. He said, and hit somebody. Mm -mm. And of course, my first fight was in a Masonic Lodge. Right. So that was it was all men. Mm. Um, it was a, in the day where smoking was allowed sort of indoors anyway. So the mm. air's full of smoke. Yeah. And I was super heavyweight. And yeah. this guy from Merthyr Tidville, who I've been since told by someone who saw it a few years ago, said to me, that bloke, he said, I know him. He goes, that is one of the hardest men in Merthyr Tidville. Whoa. I went, wow. He said, you box him. I said, I not only did I box him, I said, technically, I nearly knocked him unconscious. Yeah. I said, I dropped my hands. And I said, well, come on then. Now, if anyone's listening to the podcast now, please don't turn off now because it's not because otherwise you're going to think, hang on, this guy's just boasting now. No, no, because basically I, um, I used to work. I worked for a, in the call center circuit 
mm. in Cardiff and you could just get a job and then you'd move on to the next one because invariably it was a bit boring. You might get fired. I'm not proud mm. of this. Mm. And I had a two week boot camp where you had to kind of go through the training for a particular company. And, you know, you have to sort of introduce yourself. So I told everyone at this company that, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm training to be a boxer. I've got my first fight coming up soon. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, two weeks later, we've got an exam to see whether we've absorbed all the information. And and I just wanted, all I wanted to do was was just make a living or so, you know, and I wanted to, to survive. I wasn't really interested in a career doing that. So I failed the exam. But the thing is, there were 20 of us in the group. We went to lunch, she marked the exam. We came back, we all walk, we sit down and she goes, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanna say congratulations. 19 out of 20 of you have passed mm. and, we, and we'll be going on to work for the company. Matthew, can I have a word please? Mm. And I, and I stood up and I said, oh, because I was very shy at that point. Mm. And I was shy when I was boxing. I said, oh, uh, I said, I think I might have been promoted. Mm. Nothing. Talk about tough crowd. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm walking out. And then I thought, then I thought, oh, right. OK, it's going to be like that, is it? So I start slagging them all off. You know, and I'm going, oh, yeah, you're a bit of an ass kisser, mate. And blah, blah, blah. And look at you. And God, your laugh, your laugh is really annoying. So, which is a horrible thing to do, but it was only because I was sort of upset mm. and stressed. Mm. So we get in the room, said, oh, obviously you failed. And uh, basically, goodbye. And then I remembered, oh, I've left my bag and my coat in the room. I have to go in and pick it up. So mm. I walk back in again. Oh, hi, everyone. Listen, I was only kidding with you. Oh, good luck with you. So they hated it. So I go along to have my first fight. I was quite a big guy at the time. Mm. They didn't have, because normally they have a red corner and a blue corner. You wear a vest as an amateur and they didn't have a red or a blue vest for me. So I had to wear a white vest, mm. which meant that the blood from oh, my yeah. nose was all over the white vest. Mm. And so we, imagine it, you've got all the people on one side of the ring are my, my lot from the boxing club. Mm. Then you've got the people who've been sort of on the other side who are his friends. It's a kind of people have been eating, drinking mm. and smoking cigars. You've got the juniors there mm. and you've got four people from the electrical company who I've just failed my exam at who've mm. come along to watch me get beaten oh, up, no. including the person with the annoying laugh. Oh, right? no. And the thing is, you don't realize it's quite surreal. You know, I enjoyed punching the bags and yeah. I enjoyed the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the fitness, yeah. the camaraderie, the health benefits. That doesn't sound like the brutal world of boxing, does it really? Mm -hmm. no. That could be anything. I could have gone hiking or something. Or jazzercise. Walking. Jazzercise. <laughs> Why didn't I do jazzercise? If I'd have known you, mate, I would have done jazzercise. Thank you. Thank you. Why were you not, why were you not in my life then? And why was that I mean? first thing that came to my mind? Uh, my wife does it, okay? Just, just throwing that one in mate, there. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's a, uh, but, it, but I bet your wife doesn't get punched. Bless. I this, is not. this is true. Uh, this, this Again, is true. If someone has just li listened into the podcast, yeah. that's... That's not a very good sentence to listen into, is it, straight no. away? But anyway, so so when we get there, this guy just, he just, he's hitting me all over the place, and which is what you're meant to do, and it's quite surreal for mm. me. And I got really angry, and I he, he kind of leaned on me, so I pushed him off, mm. and he bounced off the ropes, uh. and I pushed him off again, and my, and my fist landed on his chin, and I threw my arms up in the air because I'd knocked him spark out. That is what I would say if... I had grandchildren. What actually happened was <laughs> I got really annoyed because I could hear people laughing. 
I mean, they had a club comedian to follow, mm. like an old working man's type club mm. comedian to follow. And he actually said, I won't be able to follow that. My mm. trainer actually said to me, in 30 years of being a boxing trainer, I've never heard so much laughter from a crowd. Well done. Yeah. He said, we've been invited to other shows. Yeah. So the guy leans on me. I closed my eyes. Well, you can't blame me for that. Mm -mm. I've got a man who's trying to punch me in the face. Yeah. So I pushed him off and he did bounce off the ropes. My eyes are still closed. Push him off again. He bounces off the ropes again. It's still an illegal move, but nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And as my fist came forward, his chin accidentally landed on my fist. <laughs> he fell on the floor and he's on all fours. Like, and, and I'm, you know, and it looks like I'm about to sort of ride him like yeah. a horse. Yeah. You know, and I so I rather than ride him like a horse, you can't do that, that no. would be awful. Mm. I just threw my arms in the air, ran over, was going Rah! like this, mm. as you should do, mm. and um, and snarling and spitting. And the referee very kindly came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Oh, excuse me, uh, would you like to stop celebrating? <laughs> he said, He's, uh, I stopped counting at eight, and I turned around, and the hardest man in Mirtha Tidville was very, very angry. Oh no. And uh, and he beat me up. So so <laughs> and so so there we go. And it was funny. It was funny. And uh, we we got a trophy for uh, fight of the night. Nice. We got invited to to various shows. To be fair, I will add this, I did box him again oh. uh, about six weeks later when I beat him. Oh, yeah. And 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 it, and it was really cool. But there's no chance of a trilogy. Oh, well, uh, never mind. At least it's even Stevens. That's fine, man. Absolutely. Doing this um, conversations with criminals, right? And yeah. like you have like <laughs> you, that sounds like a tough crowd as well with the with all the like the people from the call center come to see you. That's worse than family, isn't it? Really? You're going to oh, spend more time with them in the day than you do your own family. Um, yeah. So like, you know, you've also done gigs in prison. Is that right? Mm, yes. I have. Well, I know I, I did one at Broadmoor. Mm. So I went along to Broadmoor to do a gig. And of course, I talk about it on stage and it is the signature sort oh. of routine, as it were. However, I, I I tell you what it was. I I went along with um, Ian Boldsworth, who was uh, his stage name at the time was Ray Peacock. Now, mm. I really like Ian Boldsworth. I've mm. never actually said this to him because it's not the sort of thing that you say. But I do. And one of the reasons I like him, I, he's, he's fantastic at improvisation. Mm. So he's very good. He's fearless as well. Mm. You know, I once saw him at a university gig make a really smug student guy water a plant during <laughs> during his set. I mean, you had to be there. But I'm like, wow, you think outside the box. Mm. And it was just, just cr I was crying laughing. The yeah. whole room were. So, so the guy's brilliant. But we were at a gig for the Avalon Network around about 2006. And mm. I was talking about mental health, actually, and suffering with depression. And I don't mm. now, but I did then. And I sort of safeguard depression now, for mm. want of a better expression. Mm. And I remember this guy sticking his hand up and saying, excuse me, at what point is this going to get funny? Mm. And Ian Bonesworth said to me, oh, your set was good, mate. Well done. Which always you want to hear when you're mm. in the, you want to hear that from someone who's that good. Yeah. When you've kind of done all right, mm. but you know, but, but you've been hurt like that. And you could see I was visibly hurt. And he said to me, well, where is he? Because I'm going to fuck him up. And I said, oh, thank you. Mm. And I appreciated the gesture, but he actually was more insightful than that because he said, do you know what? He goes, he's a young man. He goes, one day he's going to be lying in bed, probably in the future. Mm. He said, I don't wish it on him. He said, but he's going to have a wife. He's going to have a kid. He's going to have a great job. And he's still going to be really, really miserable. And he's not going to understand why. He mm. said, and I hope when he does it, he thinks of you.
And that yeah. really stayed with me. Yeah. So I've always had the huge respect for, for Ian Bolsworth, but of mm. course I can't actually say that to him because mm. it's not the sort of thing you say to somebody. Yeah. But I'm saying it about him to you because I think it's perfectly reasonable. Mm. So we get booked for this gig at Broadmoor and the interesting thing, for me anyway, was that he's, he is, Ian is such a larger than life character mm. on stage. And as a lot of comics, quite a modest guy off stage, he knows what he can do. But we turn up and I think we had different ways of dealing with the fact that we were in Broadmoor. And my way was to be cracking jokes. Hey, maybe the Ripper will be in. Hey, hey. Mm -hmm. And at one point he said to me, look, you do realize where we're going, don't you? And I said, oh, it'll be all right, Ian. You're amazing. You mm. like people. I like people. And we went. And of course, it was utterly terrifying. I felt that it was unplayable. Mm. I couldn't do it. The woman who was in charge said, look, don't get freaked out. Well, of course you get freaked out. Yeah. You know, she said, you'll be able to tell by looking at them what crimes they've committed. Now, whether I was projecting or not, I don't know. But I, I said to her, no, you can't do that. That's not fair. People have judged me all my life. Mm. You know, I didn't realize I was going to get kicked out of a storytelling night in the future. You know, because of my <laughs> physical appearance, I'm repulsive. <laughs> you know, everyone judges me. And then they walked in and I thought, oh, my God, how many kids are you killed? Mm. You know, or how many people have you murdered? Mm. And... I felt like I could tell and it was just very, very difficult. And I was terrified. Mm. I was really, really frightened. And then of course there was a newspaper article saying that Peter Bryan, the cannibal was there. And I mm. believe he was, I thought I saw him. I, I thought I was stood next to him in the food queue. I, I yeah. thought I recognized him, but I didn't want to sort of say anything. Mm. You know, how do you start that conversation? It's, yeah. That's it's, it's trickier than telling Ian Boldsworth that, you know, that he's someone you really, look up to and admire yeah that's for sure you know um <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, so you know how big are the portions today kind of what do you say what do you say at the canteen eh? so um yeah and what they are you having serving, <laughs> they were serving onion rings as well and i think right. like, how do you go from and i'm really i'm so sorry for saying this but yeah. how do you go from like frying someone in a frying pan like mm. parts of their body yeah in a frying pan to onion rings yeah that's true it's quite tricky it's and quite like, a leap yeah big time it's like nothing i don't think anything's ever going to top that it, and, man that's crazy and i tell you what though because i've talked about it on stage a lot uh -huh. obviously and i've been opening a, a few shows for a guy called dave courtney who's yeah. written quite a few books and i got on very well with dave i know him very well now i think it's fair to say it's been the best part of 10 years mm. i've known him for and we actually did a show in neath and there were i talked about broadmoor before i brought him on and there was a, a guy who was uh, the president of a motorcycle gang. And they call mm. it a motorcycle club, but it's not. It's a biker gang. Yeah. And very nice fella came over and he said to me, oh, can I, can I speak to you? I said, yeah, of course you can. And this guy who looked like he could kill me and probably could, mm. um, he just said to me, look, he said, I found that Broadmoor thing really funny. He said, mm. did you not think of maybe starting in an open prison and working your way up? <laughs> And I, and I said, no, I didn't. He said, I mean, look, it goes, I know some some really, you know, he said quite violent people. He said, but we, he said, there's no way we would go to Broadmoor, not in a million years. He goes, fair play to you for doing that. He said, you made me laugh. He goes, but honestly, he said, I couldn't do it. I don't know many people who could. Just get your training wheels on first. You know, you do, you know, five minutes here. Mm. No, just go and do it. Like, I'm going to do my tw my closing set in Broadmoor. It's fine. It should be fine. Like, you know, it should be like a tough gig at Jonglers. It should be grand. You know, that's it, huh? Absolutely. How naive. I was so naive. Funny. But, oh, but hey, you know. it's a good story, eh, Matt? That's what it is. That um, is what it's about, isn't it, really? Oh, for ultimately. sure. 
For sure, man. So, th- th- what do you think? That's your toughest, your, your number one toughest gig, yeah? Well, no, I would imagine going to Turkey. Oh, the Turkey one, the yeah. Toughest gig, yeah. I mean, that that's too long for me to tell you, but that that yeah. was tough. That yeah. that that was very hard going. No, every gig's tough when it's not going well, and uh-huh. every gig is easy when it's going well. Anyone can throw their arms in there and go, oh, thank you very much. Uh, my name's Matt Price. Uh, until next time. You know, when it's going well, but it's when it's hard and you have to dig in and they kind of quite like you, but they're a little bit unsure. Or, the, you know, you've been there, you know, like when they laugh at one joke yeah. or they judge every joke individually, so you can't get the rolling laughter and standing ovation mm. i'm used to no, but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, like, I know. you know we we have expectations as comics we want the audience to like us and want them to enjoy it nobody wants it to be tough although sometimes i don't know if you've done this sometimes i get halfway through and i think this is so bad mm. this is such a horrible setup and it's going so badly mm. that i hope i get a story out of it mm, yeah that's it like you know I'd rather yeah. drive it into the ground and through rather than just be average gig you know and they go home and go oh that was neither here nor there didn't it was, yeah, that's it so like uh, okay question for you then right you were talked about like you finding yourself in in writing one of your shows you know you examined yourself went okay this is who i'm matt price so mm. what, what do you see like I ask this question for every person I talk to and I, I like, you know, as a comedian, like, you know, you see yourself, you, you found yourself um, in one of the shows, you're like, I'm Matt Price. You mm. know, you are who you are. But what kind of, um, like, say if you decide, describe yourself as a, as a, as a comic, like, you know, you kind of go, you oh, go into a room, you know, you don't, you don't, you, you don't you're like, okay, for example, Sean Mio mm. describes himself as a gunslinger, a gun for hire, goes around ah, and just yeah, like, you know, right. there you yeah. go. So that, there you go. what do you think you, What do you, of yourself? It's a hard I, question. It's a very hard question because it changes from day to day. It depends mm. where you are, doesn't right. it? You know, because I'll, I'll just, I'll turn up as anybody. I th- See, I think mm. that you should be able to play any room. Yeah. Now, obviously that's impossible, but but that that's what it's about. So I just view myself as a general sort of all-round entertainer who can mm. barely believe the conceit of stand-up comedy. I can barely believe <laughs> that I can say something in front of a room full of people and mm. that they'll be interested, let alone laugh out loud. Mm. So I wouldn't say that I'm a philosopher mm. or a, you know, or a craftsman or anything like that. I'm just a, a guy who oh, probably a journeyman, to be honest okay. with you. At the moment, I'm a journeyman. But obviously, if there's anyone listening from Radio 4 and they want a fascinating <laughs> and astonishing insight into the true crime from yeah. a man who is you know, extremely eloquent and insightful, you know, give me a call. You can speak to my agents and friends yeah. and, uh, and confidants. Uh, Winter Fernanda, yeah, and, uh, and uh, hook me up. But no, yeah. I, I, it's, it's a great, that is a great question. But the, the thing is, what I would say is that it changes, you know, yeah. your reason for doing it. That weirdly, boxers always, or boxing trainers always say about boxing, it's not why you start, it's why you stay. Yeah. Uh, because you think, oh, I want to be a boxer, I want to be like Rocky, I want to jump over park benches. Yeah. You know, no one expects to jump over a park bench and then slip in dog shit when they land on the other side. You know, but what is it that makes you keep going That's as right. a boxer? Well, it's exactly the same with comedy because you think, I want to share the gift of laughter. Yeah. And then someone throws a turnip at your head. You know? Has <laughs> that happened? That, that has happened. It didn't happen to <laughs> me. That happened. He's so lucky. <laughs> 
and you, and it's Ke Kevin Shepherd. In fact, I'm I'm going to request. Am I allowed to do this? I'm going to request that you get Kevin Shepherd on right. to talk to you. I tell you, do you know Kev? I don't know if you know him that well. Uh, I've, I've met him at one gig, I think, years ago. Well, okay. Ask him about the turnip slash large vegetable story, and I'll tell you why. He was at Lava Ignite at, at the time in Bournemouth, Mirth Control, lovely room, old boy, wonderful. You know, Jeff booked me for it, and I'm grateful for that. And there was a group of young farmers at the back. They had a vegetable that varies from. <laughs> being a massive award-winning marrow to, to being an actual turnip. Yeah. And there was a group of women down the front. They were heckling Kevin. He's a very charming guy. He knows that room inside out. He managed to sort of get them quiet, this mouthy woman, just very politely to shut them up. Then the farmers start up and a, and a vegetable, a large vegetable flies towards the stage, towards Kevin's head. Oh. Now, I don't know at that point, I challenge, if you freeze frame that for a second, <laughs> where this vegetable is six feet away from your head, what are you at that point? Because if you're a gunslinger, fantastic. Yeah. And I love Sean Mio, I think he's a wonderful comedian. But yeah. you know, it's like, if you're a philosopher, well, think deeply about that, mate, because that's gonna whack you in the mush immediately. You know, if you're, if you're misunderstood or you're political, it doesn't matter what you are, you've got a vegetable flying towards your head, mate. Yeah. You know, so actually, I think the audience sort of determine what we are is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. But anyway, it hit the woman in the front row. Oh. And, um, and then Kev did a commentary on her. That's one version of the story. Brilliant. There are other versions of the story with different vegetables, different women. There was yeah. rumor, he is married now, of course, uh, but there was rumor that he even went out with the woman for a while afterwards and then proposed to her, but she left, you know. Yeah. That the SAS were called in at one point, there was helicopters, you know, surrounding right. the building, all sorts of stories, but you've got to ask Kev about the flying vegetable. Oh, brilliant, I will, <laughs> a flying vegetable. I will certainly ask him about that then. Okay, right. So going back, we'd reverse, reverse this, engineer this. So mm. why did you do your first gig? Um, because I don't like to fail at things. I wanted to write a book about boxing. I, I spent mm. a couple of years with fighters and um, it was, I actually had a contract and mm. it just, it fell through for various reasons. It fell through. And then I started boxing because I, I very wrongly thought to myself, oh, if I box then I'll get the respect of the people yeah. in boxing, yeah. you know? And, and I did get the respect, but not in the way that I thought, you see, because mm. they just said, I remember um, Brian, my trainer saying to me, you win twice in boxing, once when you step in through the ropes, and then again, if you get the decision. Mm. Well, of course, the first time I fought um, against the hardest man of Merthyr yeah. Tidville, from Merthyr Tidville, I, I didn't have a groin protector on. Oh. So I had to get back, out, get back out of the ring and everyone started booing. So I'd already been into the ring once, mm. so I was brave. I stepped in for a second time, so I won again, and mm. then he beat the crap out of me. So, you know, I won twice and lost once on that very night. Well, I, I did my first gig because I don't like to give up and Fair. because I failed at writing a book about boxing, and or at least it didn't come through in the way I wanted. And I thought, well, actually, you do get immediate feedback mm. with jokes. And I had had this idea that one day I would be able to to do a show about it, you know, that, yeah. that could that could do it justice. But it, it felt like it would be a sort of a, I don't even know if it would be a theater piece. I don't, I don't mm. know what it would be actually. And I probably never will do it because I had it in my head that it might be a retirement piece, that it would be the last show I ever do. I mean, how pretentious and up itself is that? <laughs> Matt Price's final hurrah yeah, punch, it. slugger, mark, the musical, <laughs> you know.
<laughs> Such a dick, honestly. No, I love it. It's great. No, but that's okay. <laughs> that's great. Like you gotta have you gotta have these like names and like these ideas for shows because mm. then you know what what you find out what's good and what's absolutely terrible you oh, know which is yeah. like which is it's it's a game of numbers isn't it you know it's all points in the end um like that that's the thing like so you're in your first gig where was your first gig it was at pear shaped in fitzrovia oh yeah uh with brian damage yeah. and crystal great and the headliner had just been on now i think it might have been lewis schaefer actually wow. who i was on after and they said you i could be on paul foot special section yeah and I did two minutes and I total silence. I'd had about eight pints because I was, I had to at that time. I don't yeah. drink now. Well, I drink a little bit, but I don't never, not at work. Definitely not. It clouds your judgment too much. But I, mm. but on that occasion I did. And I just thought, I woke up with a hangover the following day, thought, well, do you know what? I think I want to do that again. Yeah. And so, and so I did. And, and that was it. And it was, I, I loved Pear Shape. I loved what it was all about, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I, I said it was just that mixture of of stubbornness and not wanting to give up and That's wanting great. the feedback and it, you know I, yeah. I, I hate to quit anything. That's it. It's important. Like that, I, I'm the same man. It's like you just you just gotta take it. Just keep taking it. And mm. that respect thing. I was the same. Exactly the same reason. Problem with me at the beginning when I was starting out in comedy was for them. It was for mm. me. It was like I'm. I want to win the night for like against them do you know what i mean it's like yeah i want to win the respect from them rather than show them i'm happy with you know the respect comes from within doesn't it and then you can they, yes. then they give you respect but if you don't have that for yourself you can't get it from them <laughs> just, which is such you know it's a false economy really isn't it it um, is it Sounds like the premise for a Whitney Houston song, but it's true. <laughs> oh dear, that was it? Um, I think we should like have that, uh, you know, Desiree song at the end, eh? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 the only problem is, though, I don't know what platform. Well, what platform your uh, podcast Podbean. is on? But you know, if, if you oh, it's on Podbean, same yeah. here. But if you play music, of course, yeah, they can buggered. remove it, can't they? That's it. Imagine I, I, that. Yeah, I know, God, that's it. Unless you review the music, isn't it? You could do seven seconds then or something like that. Huh? Oh, can you um, really? I think so, yeah, yeah. It's uh, for review purposes only. Can, can we review Whitney Houston as shit then? <laughs> we no, no, certainly could. Joking, certainly could. Post-mortem. Yeah, no, I, I thought she was very good. I thought she was very talented and yeah. it was a tragic end to her life. It was. But um, I just couldn't resist chipping in with that. You got it. You got it. You got to say it. You got to. The doggedness. I think you need that in, in this, of course. You know, otherwise it's just, it's such a hard thing to do. But like yeah. boxing is hard too. It's just, it's like, you know, you keep getting punched in the, in, in the face from boxing you get punched in the uh the self-esteem with the comedy you know if it doesn't go mm. well and you know you just get overinflated sometimes if it does go amazingly like okay well this is how i am now this is I, i'm like just I, i'm wolverine oh, now <laughs> we've all completed comedy we've of all course. completed the video game that is comedy <laughs> and then you don't realize oh hang on there's a hidden level with a goblin that's right that's know, right and i'm about to get eaten or whatever oh, it is yeah. you know i don't play computer games but you know so yeah. oh, of course but it, but it's nice to enjoy that but, you know, yes. I think I just enjoy the moment. You know, yeah. I realize I like being a comedian. I like the lifestyle mm. as well. You know, it, it suits me to do that. I would not make a very good call center operative. I've tried many, many times. It just doesn't yeah. suit me to do it. Or uh, an accountant. Excel is no fun at all. You know, I don't even no. have a favorite Excel shortcut. Matt, so like doing the uh, conversation with criminals mm. and are you writing a new show at the moment? Well, I, I will come back to the comedy circuit if and when it comes back, and I'll probably do a show at some point. But no, my priorities at the moment 
are to not get COVID. Yeah. I'm uh, just, I'm not being flippant when I say that, mm -hmm. but you know, really to look after myself, look after the messes, you yeah. know, I'm spending a bit of time with my dad. I'm working out regularly, which is good. So that that's nice. There'll be absolutely no chance of a third fight with the hardest man in Mothertidville. <laughs> that's not happening. I'm not, I'm not calling him out. Absolutely not. Those days are well and truly gone. But now I'm looking after myself. I do plan on doing some more podcasting because you know yourself, it's good fun and, yeah. and it's interesting and it's challenging. You know, and and then we'll see what happens from there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to do Edinburgh, if or even if it's going to come back. You know, I hope it yeah. does. Not being, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually not a negative person at all. I just sort of sometimes say things that might sound negative. I don't know. I might, you might speak to me again. Again, it depends what I am right now. You know, I'm different things at different times. And right yeah. now, stand up is on the back burner. I. You know, we'll still go along and do a gig, but it's too stop and start for me to fully commit to it. I need to be fully immersed in something to yeah. for me to feel like I'm giving it my all. Uh, yeah, that's right. You need to have like lots of those bookings in, you know, in the, in the diary to kind of just you know give you the impetus to go right. Okay, what what new stuff can I get out now? And you know, and just inspiring. You need to inspire you, doesn't it? That's what it is—a mm. a, a glacial momentum, uh, but absolutely. with a little bit faster, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I will, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, so I, I will come back to it, and I will probably write a. Show show at at some point okay. in fact i toyed around with an idea i my granddad this is i was uh it was called william price mm. and i came up with the idea for a show i wanted to call it raging bill because yeah. it was about him kind of but it's not as clear-cut you know that the show's never as clear-cut as as it appears to be so mm. if i am going to do another show that's the show that i'm going to do is going to be raging bill you just like focus on the podcast and just sort of just keep fit and just stay stay mentally sound and get ready for when it all kind of hopefully eases up again and thaws uh, absolutely and listen i i wish everyone the best you yeah. know because it's not an easy time and that's not me being humble sometimes people mm. say oh he's a nice guy and he's humble and i've had a lot of time to reflect and i am yeah. a nice guy yeah. and the reason i'm a nice guy is because you know you only get one life it's quite short yeah. you know it can sometimes it's tragically short for people mm. and it can fly by and i would rather meet someone at their best than at their worst and if i bring some, what i could, the very least i can bring to a meeting with someone is me being nice and being genuine and being interested and then the rest is up to them so anyone who has knocked me for being just a nice guy okay fair enough you're allowed to do that but actually you're the one who's losing out that isn't to anyone uh, particularly by the way it's not a cryptic message to anyone but that that's how I, I wanted to say that because people say he's the nice guy of the circuit yeah i am and i'm very proud to be that very very proud to be a nice person because i want to find people at their best you know that's and great because life's too short not to meet someone at their best says he who was half asleep for the first 10 minutes of this no, interview that's great that is look that's wonderful that that's a wonderful way to to you know to present yourself into the world you know that's it be be the you know what's wrong with being a nice guy you know that's it you got to no. be you get the more you get more flies with flies with honey than you do with vinegar and, and a lot of people try to do that that be a nice guy and it's just not them you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely listen but being a nice guy you finish last you get banned from a storytelling night because your physical appearance it's everything it's cracked up to be it yeah. really is <laughs> you've got to do you isn't it and you don't yeah, and Matt, every time i see you man you're always a pleasure to talk to and a, it's been a pleasure to speak spend an hour or so with you uh mm. chatting about comedy Thanks and, and what you're doing me. at the moment um and so where can we find you matt 
you you can well you can go Cornwall. to conversation you can find me in cornwall actually you can find <laughs> Fish me in, a shop in cornwall shop tonight. <laughs> yeah absolutely just, just if you just go to cornwall and just say look do you know where matt price is someone will know yeah. you know it's, it's still a fairly small community no but i think um one of the things i'm enjoying at the moment is conversations with criminals so there's yeah. a website conversationswithcriminals.com yeah and i'll send you the clip of me skateboarding if you want Brilliant. To, I'd love to see that man yeah and, no it's interesting oh i'm gonna just like i'm sorry i'm gonna tack something else on the end here just before mm. we finish up no, of course. You, didn't you go to didn't you go to australia as well with the three boys was it oh, yes was it? mate yeah we we did we, we we did and it was really good it was um dan triscott and graham wilkes and yeah. me we did the first ever the world exclusive although we we did one show in Leicester, but yeah. um, the world exclusive of uh, the Cornish Comedian Showcase because there is, of course, a lot of history in Adelaide, Cornish history. Right. So we actually went to the Copper Triangle oh. where Cornish miners went in the 1800s. Wow. And we went in search of our ancestors and we thought we would go there and it would be a little bit emotional and, you know, to, to look at where our forefathers had been. And we turned up at a pub and we said, we're from Cornwall. And they went, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't have been more hostile. It was utterly horrific. Oh, no. They And there was a woman there who, who made passes in the local bakery. We were too late for a pasty. Oh. Um, the one I did have was rectangular and had carrot in it. And it was a complete and utter waste of time. Oh, utter, utter waste it. of time going. They didn't like us. They had no interest in Cornish people. Mm. The woman even said, oh, actually, our passes are a bit crap. But we've been oh. making them that way for the last 20 years. I tried to speak to them. They weren't interested at all. Mm. And here's the lovely little twist. About a week later, my friend from back home, his next door neighbor, went to exactly the same place, the Copper Triangle. Yeah. And um, she was welcomed as a oh. Cornish sister. She was taken around everywhere. They made a fuss of her. There are people who have promised her that they're going to name their children after her. She had a wonderful time. She's been invited back out next year. So I don't know what the three of us did wrong, but it was horrific. But oh. we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the misery. It yeah. failed so miserably going in search of our ancestors. We thought it was going to be a cultural exchange. We might have a tearful moment and a yeah. few hugs. Yeah. No, the only tearful moment was me crying into my diet lemonade thinking what am i doing here we've got a four-hour journey back to adelaide but oh, it was man. worth it mate, it was great. fun though we had a great time in australia i've been five times now oh, and wow. it was it was it was really really good i've you know i mean yeah, yeah so the show if we're doing a show about this or like a documentary it would rather than be like oh and then you know my my dad died it'd be like i'm glad they're fucking dead <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes that's very dark for you but you're bang on mate uh, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, look matt well thank you so much for your time man it's thank been a you. pleasure oh uh, yeah man i look forward to listening to the conversations with criminals mate and i can't wait to see that skateboarding clip mate it's gonna be amazing okay well listen thanks man and please do take care of yourself do my best i kind of have that kind of buoyant kind of attitude that you yourself have you know whenever i have a conversation within the car it's been kind of it's meeting it's mutual um yeah. so yeah all right well matt thanks for your time mate nice one and that was episode 85 with the incredibly funny and a guy that's bound to win the nice guy of the year award for comedy matt price I hope you like that one, guys. If he's ever on a bill somewhere, go and check him out. He's an absolute one to see, full of energy and just loves the art of stand-up. He also does his own podcast called Conversations with Criminals. So go and check that out. It's on Podbean, iTunes, wherever you get your good podcasts from. 
You can follow this podcast on Twitter. We're there at Winter Dominus. We're on Instagram at Winter Dominus. We're on Facebook. We have a page. We have a group. Go join those and like both of those. And if you like this podcast enough, go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast and donate as little or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. And if you can't donate, that's okay. Just share your favorite episode because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. That's it for now from the Comedy Defect Podcast. That was episode 85 with Matt Price. Next month, we've got an equally brilliant comic. I've seen this person on a bill and they're like a comedy elf. Uh, They are absolutely brilliant. They just bring the audience in. They won best show at Buxton Fringe. It is, of course, Charmian Hughes. And that is the last Wednesday of the month in May. So until then, go to the gym, text, ring, contact your friends, just connect. Try to start doing things normally because, you know, things are thawing and lifting a little bit. But don't go mad. Don't go to the gym too much. Don't hurt yourself. Just ease yourself into it. Whatever it is you're kind of like releasing yourself onto the world with. <laughs> Just ease yourself into it, whatever it is. Until the end of May, Sharman Hughes, episode 86. We'll see you then.